You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. Before I come on to the homily this morning, um, I want to share with you um, some uh, prayer concern. Um, I want to ask you please to keep uh, the people of Southwest Georgia in general, but Albany in particular, in your prayers. Um, Y'all remember last Sunday we gathered here at 10 o'clock for uh, one service in our annual meeting, and we did so um, under the threat of severe weather uh, while the people in Albany were living with the real thing. Um, There were terrible storms that moved through that area that day, the night before. You may also remember they really followed just three weeks after another front brought tornadoes and uh, horrible storms, and they were just just starting to dig out from under those. Um, lots of members of our church, uh, in particular the people at St. Uh, Mark and St. John's, um, had considerable damage to property. Um, the church was pretty heavily damaged. Uh, And I want to ask you also, especially, to remember Lee Goman in your prayers. Uh, 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 Lee's wife, Pat, um, has died from injuries sustained uh, during the the storms when a tree fell in their house. Um, Our hearts go out to them. uh, And you may wonder, well, is there something more practical that we can do? And yes, there is, in fact. There are two very practical things that we can do to help our brothers and sisters in Albany who are suffering and grieving. And the first, quite simply, is to do just what I ask you to, to pray for them. Um, I I do not consider uh, praying for people to be an impractical way to help. Uh, I I think it is practical and reasonable uh, and allows us to enter into God's purposes of healing and restoration. So please, first of all, If you can do nothing else, remember them in your prayers. Uh, Another way that you can help is to send them money. That's what they need more than bottled water or blankets or people showing up with chainsaws at the moment. Uh, The most effective way to help them is to send them money. And here's an easy way to do it. When the offering plate comes around this morning, you can put a check in there made out to St. Michael's and just put Albany Relief in the memo line. Uh, If you have cash, just get one of these envelopes that's in the pew in front of you, put it in there, write the same thing on on the envelope, Albany Relief. We'll collect all of that money, um, and what we will do is send it actually to the Bishop's Fund here in Savannah, and that will then go uh, straight to the people in Albany. Um, As of yesterday, I think um, between us and contributions from Pittsburgh Relief and Development, we collected close to $26,000 for them. Um, the bulk of that came from Episcopal Relief and Development. Um, but that's what, it's, that's what it's there for. So if you are moved to help and you are able to help, that is a very quick, effective way to get aid to them quickly. So how long is this going on? Jessica, who knows how long this no, is going I mean, on. They're going to be in need for months to come. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, bring, I'll try to bring something next Sunday. Oh, yeah, listen, we will still take it next Sunday. 
Yes, and the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that. So um, anything that we can do in the coming weeks to help, um, we should. Um, we know that we should help people in need. Um, people who are suffering, uh, people who have uh, lost their homes, uh, people who are displaced. And it's real easy to be clear about the rightness of doing that when it's our neighbors in Albany, uh, our fellow Episcopalians, our brothers and sisters in the church. There's no question about what our response should be. In other areas, though, there do seem to be some questions. Um, we are at a, a moment in our life as a nation where there are a lot of questions about how we should respond to people in need. And the last two days have brought those questions uh, right to the forefront. Um, as we are wrestling with what is our country's appropriate response to refugees, to immigrants, um, to foreigners, if you like that term. There's a lot of debate around it, and there are a lot of strong feelings on both sides. Um, I, I have, for the three years that I have been here, I, I've said on, on a few occasions that I really do my best not to talk about politics in the sermon um, unless we reach a point where I am convinced that it really is a matter of Christian morality and justice. And that's where I feel like we are. Um, so I'm not going to tell you what you should think. I'm going to tell you what our tradition says. It may make us uncomfortable uh, or uneasy. We may not like what our tradition says, but it doesn't change what it says to us. And it's interesting to me that this happens on the Sunday when the gospel appointed for the day is the Beatitudes, where Jesus is, he is kicking off his earthly ministry and he's kind of pulled his team together and he's telling them, this is the game plan, people. This is how things are going to be uh, in the kingdom. So um, what I have to say to you today is kind of serious about, about this. And if you were hoping uh, for a more lighthearted treatment of the Beatitudes, let me refer you to Monty Python's The Life of Brian. It's a good place to go for some comic relief, uh, but only if you're not easily scandalized. Uh, there is that, that, that caveat, but there is one section on the Beatitudes that's worth listening to if you have the stomach for it. Um, in this passage that we have today, um, Jesus starts this sermon uh, by making a series of pronouncements of blessing. Blessed are the pure in heart. And he names a whole list of groups of people that if you just stop and look, being that way does not uh, uh, necessarily make you think of blessing. Blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit. <clears throat> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or just who hunger 
or thirst. Blessed are the meek and those who mourn. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the reviled. I, I imagine if there were folks who found themselves in any of those groups present that day when Jesus started this sermon, it came as a surprise to them to hear uh, that they were blessed, much as it did to anybody else who happened to be listening. Most of those conditions don't sound like a blessing. And yet Jesus said, make no mistake, these people are blessed. It's what in theological terms we refer to as a performative utterance. It's when God says something and because God says it, it comes to be. Very much like the entire first chapter of Genesis. God said, let there be light and there was light. A performative utterance. These people are blessed not because being poor or hungry or persecuted is a happy way to live, but because Jesus said, you are blessed. You are blessed because God is with you. The rest of the world may not see you that way, you may not think of yourself that way, but God has decided to stand with you. The poor, the hungry, the persecuted. That's what our tradition says to us. That may make us uncomfortable. I understand that the, the push towards... Um, I understand the push towards security and safety. That's reasonable. It makes sense. But it does not change what God says to us about how we are to deal with people in those situations. And it's not just the gospel. It's the entire narrative of Holy Scripture that makes clear whose side God is on. The low and the despised. The unwanted and the unloved. The disadvantaged and the displaced. In other words, the people whose lives are lived mainly in the shadow of a cross and the grave. <laughs> It is with them that the God of resurrection and life stands. They are those with whom he has decided to cast his lot. And it is from their midst that the risen Christ calls to those of us who seek after him to come and find him and follow him. Amen. Amen.